you have your Bible with you or you'd like to use one in the back of the pew in front of you, turn with me to the New Testament book of Galatians, chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, again, verses 22 to 23. And like I have been doing lately, I'm going to give you some extra homework. And if you want extra credit, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and hold a place there because we'll spend some time there later on today. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, we've been looking at the fruits of the Spirit. And this morning we will consider the fruit of kindness. With all that in mind, let's read God's word together. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. I want you to imagine this. It's going to be hard to believe. But at one point, we used to use these things to watch movies. If you've never seen one of these before, you take this black block of plastic and you stick it inside another black box called a VCR. And you have to press play on the VCR to watch a movie. This is a movie. Can you believe that? I think the Learning Center next door might have some of the last remaining existing VHS tapes in the entire world. This is probably worth over $1,000. It is so rare. (laughs) But VHS tapes send me back to a specific place. Can you guess what it is? Well, if you grew up in my time period, a VHS sends you back to a little-known place today called Blockbuster. Blockbuster was the best place anywhere. And every Friday, my parents would take me and my two siblings to Blockbuster. And I would get a video game, and my brother would get a VHS, and my sister would get a VHS, and we could watch it or play it as much as we wanted for three days. It was amazing. And then three days later, we would have to take it back to Blockbuster. We didn't have Netflix. We didn't have Apple Plus. We didn't have streaming. We had VHSs at Blockbuster. Now, if you rented a VHS at Blockbuster, there was a very specific message taped onto every single one of them. And if you ever went to Blockbuster, you know what it says. Please be kind, rewind. Now, i got to explain this really quick. The the young people in here aren't going to get that. When you stream a a movie, as soon as it's over, a message pops up and says, do you want to play it again? Do you want to start over? And you just click a button, and you can watch it. No, 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 no. Back in the day, on a VHS, when it was over... You had to manually, on your own, rewind this thing all the way back. And it took like five hours to get all the way back to the beginning. It took a minute. But people were so lazy, they they wouldn't 
take that extra minute to rewind it. So Blockbuster wanted everyone to be kind to one another and rewind that VHS tape. Friends, I got to ask, is that what kindness looks like? Is it that easy? Is it that low of a bar that anyone in the world who rents a movie from Blockbuster can show kindness? Because if that's all it is, this is a pretty easy fruit of the Spirit. And what we've seen so far is these fruits are a really high bar. It's a supernatural work of God in your life to put these things on display. Is everyone who has ever obeyed Blockbuster and rewound that tape supernaturally empowered by God to show kindness? Paul is talking about something so much bigger than please be kind, rewind. Brothers and sisters, kindness is a supernatural fruit of the Spirit, and it always occurs and shows up in a believer's life. Friends, listen, hear the word for today. Lives truly changed by the gospel overflow with God's kindness. Lives that truly have the Holy Spirit, lives that truly have been born again from death to life, lives that are a new creation, lives that have the Holy Spirit indwelling in them overflow with the love and the kindness that God has shown them out into their lives, in the thoughts they think about other people, in the words that they say about other people, in the things they do for other people. Kindness is not an optional accessory in the spiritual Christian's life. It is a fruit of the Spirit that supernaturally, inevitably, overflows from somebody who really has the gospel. It's an evidence of spiritual life. But again, what's the difference between a kindness that rewinds a VHS tape and the kindness that Paul is talking about? How are these two things different? Well, this is a mystery that we need to investigate. As a journalist or a detective is trying to investigate a mystery, they're going to ask good questions. So today, we're going to walk through the six basic questions you would ask to learn anything. Who, what, where, when, why, and how. To figure out what God's kindness looks like compared to what blockbuster kindness looks like. All right? So I want you to stick with me as we ask these six questions. For the sake of time, we're going to work through them pretty quickly. So get ready. First question we want to ask to understand kindness Who sets the standard for kindness? Who sets the standard for kindness? Not Blockbuster. But friends, it's not us. We don't get to decide what kindness is and what it is not. The world, with all of its ideas today about what kindness is and how you should be kind to everyone in a specific kind of way, They don't get to decide what kindness is. The authority of God in Scripture 
must set the standard. Usually, friends, when we talk about the authority of God's word, we're talking about a controversial issue. We're talking about things like the roles of men and women in the home and the church or issues of sexuality. We're talking about these things that are intense, often stir up debates, and we tear each other up defending the truth from the authority of God. But friends, God, who is the God of all authority, is speaking because he is the God of all good and all virtue. And his authority speaks to these good things and these virtues as well. His word sets the bar for how we treat one another. I've been talking with a few people about these fruits and and trying to process them as we journey together. And this is kind of where I'm at with it. Love, joy, and peace are the ones that we all universally want. But we go and look other places for them. We want love, but we settle for lust. We want joy, but we settle for pleasure. We want peace, but we settle for quiet or medication. Patience, we talked last week, is the one we don't like. And we don't want anything to do with. What about kindness? Kindness, friends, as I've thought about it, is the one we politicize. Brothers and sisters, in this room, you need to hear this. We cannot throw out the fruit of kindness because the world or our world values being politically incorrect. We have grown in these circles to value and champion those who are okay with calling people names and being blunt and being ugly. If they tell the truth, we don't care how they say it. We don't care if they're kind. Just say what's right. On the other side of things, we've decided that kindness means you never tell anybody no. And you always let everyone do anything they want. And if you say anything, you are unkind. Brothers and sisters, I'm hope, I hope I set, stepped on your toes. Because I'm trying to step on everybody's toes. The fact is, the right and the left in this world do not get to define kindness. The Word of God defines kindness. Colossians 3 verse 12 says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, His church, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. You don't get to throw out kindness because of political incorrectness. As God's chosen one who's been pulled out of the world's politics, you put on kindness. 2 Timothy 2 verse 24, the Lord's servant, do you serve God? The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome even in election years, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. When we do this, when we bear this fruit of the Spirit to everyone, left and right, whoever it may be, we show the world what God looks like. 
the one who's kind to the just and the unjust. The second question I want to work through as we try to separate these two types of kindnesses. What does kindness mean in God's word? If God sets the standard, what does he mean by kindness? Well, brothers and sisters, I want to be clear. God is not saying be nice. Jesus wasn't always nice. We've seen that in Mark over and over again. Jesus could be blunt. Jesus could be direct. But he was never unkind. He never sinned. Kindness is a combination of the compassion and the mercy of God. That compassion that he displayed when he saw the crowds who were hungry and was moved to feed them. As Jerry Bridges writes, it is an, an inward disposition created by the Holy Spirit that causes us to be sensitive to the needs of others. Pastor Brian and I have been working to, to separate the next two fruits of the Spirit because they're very close to one another, kindness and goodness. What's the difference? As Jerry Bridges writes, kindness is, is an inward motivation. It's a compassion that you feel. It is a sympathy and a tenderness that is inside of you when you see someone in need and goodness is what comes out, your hands and feet that are moved by that kindness. It is an awareness, it is a thoughtfulness that leads you and me to be generous and useful in somebody's life. And as we go to that great chapter in love, the second thing Paul says about love, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, love is patient and love is kind. As I've been thinking all of these things about kindness, brothers and sisters, it doesn't get better than the golden rule. You want a definition for what God means by kindness? It's that golden rule that everyone, everyone knows. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. But in 2022, it's easy to bristle at that, to, to think that that's so soft and so weak. It's, it's kind of pathetic. If we're honest with ourselves, that's how we react to someone who's kind in this world of turmoil and division. But can I just point out a phrase that we've not really sat on this entire series? Brothers and sisters, I, I want you to take this home. The end of Galatians 5, verse 23, the last phrase, Paul says, against such things, against kindness, there is no law. There might be a whole lot of cultural pressure against kindness, but there is not one single law in the authoritative book of God that is against you being kind to anyone who comes your way. You will never go so far and be so kind to someone where God's like, eh, I wouldn't have done that with them. You're never going to get to the point where you treat someone 
who is so wicked and so evil and so undeserving of your kindness that God says, wow, I can't believe you wasted that kindness on them. There is no law against being like that. We need to reorient the way we think about kindness. The prophet Micah, chapter 6, verse 8, says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God. Hear that. God not only wants you to accept kindness and to be kindness, he wants you to love it. He wants you to be passionate about being thoughtful. He wants you to embrace with everything you are a compassion that looks like Jesus. And that's easier to do, even in a world like today, when we answer the third question. Who, what, where? Where do we find this ultimate kindness? Where do we see this display of compassion and mercy better than anywhere else? Listen, I think everyone in the room already knows the answer. But to show you what it looks like, I want to go to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 9. This is the gospel. Paul writes, and you, you, am I talking about you? Yes, you. You were dead in the trespasses and sins. So was I. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit is, that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You know what Paul says here? If anybody in this room gets to heaven, it's because God is kind. If anyone gets to live with the Lord forever in the new earth and the new heaven, it is because he was compassionate and gracious. In his mercy, he made us alive. He made us. He did that in us. Because he had an awareness and a thoughtfulness of our situation in sin. He was aware of our disobedience. 
in our need. And because of that, he sent his son, Jesus. He was sensitive to our helplessness. And so he raised us up with Christ. And in his tender love, he took children of wrath and seated us with Jesus in his glory. Friend, no one will get to experience that and take that seat and say, I am sitting in this place of glory because I earned it. You will only say, I am sitting here today at the banquet table of the Messiah because he was kind to me and invited me to sit. And that's beautiful on its own. But let me ask another question. Who, what, where, when does God offer this kindness to us? The answer is here in Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 1, when we were dead in our sins. Verse 2, when we followed the world and the prince of the power of the air, a.k.a. Satan. God offered this kindness to you when, verse 3, we lived according to the passions and desires of the flesh. I'm emphasizing this, brothers and sisters, because a lot of us grow up in church and are around so much that we forget the gospel, and eventually we get to the point that we think God brought this grace to us when we were good, that God showed us this kindness to us when we always believed in God and always were in church, and we always were in that grace. No! God gave this to you when you were dead and you did not have a single pulse in your spiritual heart. He brought this kindness to you when you ran just like those pagans in the world. He brought this mercy and compassion to you when you were a slave doing everything you wanted in the sickness of your heart. He did it at the moment you least deserved it. God's kindness took the initiative to bring you to Christ. Now, we'll get to that in a minute, but just think if you understood that, how that would play out when the question is, how do you show kindness to someone? It's not when they meet some threshold and criteria of earning it. You're kind to them before they deserve it. They may never deserve it. Who, what, where, when, why? Why does God show us this kindness? God's kindness is not just for kindness' sake, God has an agenda. And there's two reasons for his kindness, and we're going to come back to Ephesians 2 in a minute. So you can keep your place there, but I want to show you another answer. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Paul says, Do you presume on the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? We think... I say that, I mean, today's world, we think 
that love means you'll never ask somebody to change. You love someone just the way they are. And you accept them for everything they do and everything they are, no matter what. That is love according to today. But God shows his ultimate love and kindness so that we would change. God is kind to us in our dead sin, in our rebellion, so that we wouldn't be dead rebels. So that we would transform and change into something new. Friends, one of the kindest things anyone can do is tell the truth. And God is kind enough to tell us the truth of who we are. Apart from the work of Christ, our relationship to God is not one of kindness, but wrath. Romans 11, verse 22, Paul says, Note then the kindness and the severity of God. That's amazing. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. God is a God of kindness and severity, and we see both of these on display at the cross. The severity of God's wrath on display as God punishes Jesus as our sacrifice and our substitute. And we see his compassion as God provides a way for us to be made new and to be made his children and to be receivers of grace and kindness. And God brings us to this truth, brothers and sisters, so that we will change. Friend, God did not bring that story to you so that you could say you believe it and then live the same the rest of your life. God brought that story to you so that you would receive it. You would recognize there was no way you could earn God's kindness, that God had to do it himself, sent his son, died in your place, and rose from the grave so that then you could receive his mercy. And if you trust in that work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the empty tomb, God promises to put his Holy Spirit inside of you and make you a kind person. A loving person, a joyful person, a peaceful person, a gentle person. Friend, has God done that supernatural work in your life where you have changed into a new person? Friend, I'm not asking if you've done enough in your religion. I've asked if God's done enough in your life. Trust in the kindness of what God has done for you in Jesus and by his grace be saved. There's one more reason that God shows us his kindness. Why does God show us this kindness? Ephesians chapter 2, going back there, verse 7 to 9. Paul says it's so that because in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works, so that because the answer why is no one may boast. Jesus shows us this kindness to us so that he can get all the glory, so that he can brag about his kingdom, so that he can show off his children and say, I did that. God uses his kindness to lift his name up. 
Friends, there is a direct connection between God's kindness to you and his glory. We exist for the glory of God above all else. Romans 15 verse 7 says, Therefore, watch the connection, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Because God's kindness has come into your life and brought you into his home, bring other people into your home. Because God's grace has invaded your life and put you in the kingdom and given you a church, welcome those brothers and sisters into your church. Because God has put his Holy Spirit in you and welcomed you into his presence with a 24-7 connection, welcome those who were once strangers Welcome those people into your life daily. Why? For the glory of God. When we look at how God demonstrated his kindness, we got to realize it's not about being a good person. It's not about helping Blockbuster. It's not about helping our neighbor be able to watch that movie faster. It's not about meeting someone's needs. We're not kind because someone's hungry. We're not kind because a flood happened. We're kind because when we feed that person and we go to that flood, we are giving glory to God. That's why. And when we get that, there's only one more question to ask. It's a question that Francis Schaeffer once famously asked in one of his books. How then shall we live? The other example of kindness that comes to mind when I think about this word comes from a movie you could have rented at Blockbuster back in the day. I think Bruce Willis was in it. I could be wrong. Pay it forward. It's about this young boy who influences, I think, Bruce Willis to to demonstrate kindness to a neighbor who would then pay it forward and demonstrate a kindness to a neighbor. And it kind of caught fire culturally a little bit. That's where you started seeing people in drive-thrus paying for the next person's meal, paying it forward. And then they come up and realize that they're uh, Chick-fil-A number one with Big old lemonade was already paid for, so guess what? They're going to pay for that next car. They're going to pay it forward. And friends, that's actually a really good picture of kindness, the biblical kindness, in that God shows us kindness first, changes our life, puts his spirit in us, which bears the fruit of kindness so that we will pay it forward and pass it on. Aaron Minikoff, pastor in Georgia, helps us see the ways that this can happen, shows us three ways that kindness works in our lives. I want to give them to you quickly. First, kindness evangelizes. Kindness evangelizes. Look at Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, not believers, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. 
This has already been said. One of the kindest things you can do is tell somebody the truth. But notice what Paul says, making the best use of the time. Friend, if you belong to Jesus, you know he's coming back. The time is limited. And so you got to operate on that shot clock. you got to operate on God's clock. you got to know what the time is, what the score is. We're so distracted, we think that means in 2020 and in 2022 and 2024, God wants us to, to act as if that's the most important thing. And we need to operate as if everything revolves around some one country's election. And that changes how we interact with our neighbor and speak to them. And what we give our time to and what we give our resources to. And that is not God's clock. God's clock, his purpose is for the return of Christ. And we walk around outsiders who are going to hell. And God doesn't care what flag they're waving or what party they belong to. God wants them to belong to Christ. And if you're spending all of your time and your words trying to pass on some some person, some platform, some party, you aren't using your time for the king. You're wasting your time and you're not working for God. You're not preparing for the glory of the king. You're preparing for some little glory, for some some little leader that won't even be remembered in eternity. It doesn't even matter. It's just dust. Repent. We do not belong to America. We belong to Christ. And we are not kind so that people will like us. We're not kind so that we don't offend anyone. We're kind so that we might have a better opportunity to use our gracious words to invite people to salvation. Number two, kindness You thought I was offensive there. Here we go. Kindness forgives. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 to 32. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. There is a way that you can make the Spirit living inside of you distraught devastated, depressed. By whom the Holy Spirit you were sealed for the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, As God in Christ forgave you. Friends, look at that passage. There's no such thing as holy bitterness. There's no such thing as sanctified clamor. There's no such thing as spiritual slander. There is no such thing as Christ-like malice. And if we've experienced God's kindness to where the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and we've experienced God's tenderness 
to where he's invited rebellious orphans into his family, then we can only forgive each other. Well, let me just make that personal. I'm talking to everybody. I'm talking to you. If God's kindness led you to repent, what exactly can you not forgive? If you're going to tell me that in your life God took a child of wrath and adopted you into God's kingdom, what wrong can you not reconcile? Is your glory greater than God's? Brothers and sisters, when you are wronged, and you will be, live a cross-shaped life and forgive. Don't hold on to a memory. Don't hold on to some expectation. Drop it, let it go, and welcome them back in. Bring them back into the family. Make things right. Don't hold on to them. Don't give some half-hearted forgiveness. Forgive in whole as God has forgiven you in whole. You ain't going to get to heaven and have some barrier between you and some aspect of heaven and life with God forever because God just couldn't get past a certain part of your sin. It's been dropped. The record has been canceled. It has been forgotten. You will never, friend, out-forgive God. That bitterness you're holding on to, to that person, God's already forgiven them. They're just waiting on you now. Friends, in the most broken places, we can put the beauty of the gospel on display. Be kind to one another and forgive. And the third way we can show God's kindness is through service. I will just read a verse for this one. Galatians chapter 5, same chapter, verse 13 to 14. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Brothers and sisters, this is what God's kindness looks like. Clearly, much more than rewind a tape. Now, I want to turn those questions back around. I'm not going to ask about kindness anymore. I'm going to use those same six questions to ask about you and me. Friend, if you need to close your eyes to consider these things, that's great. But these are questions for you. Before God, after hearing what his kindness has done in your life for you and me to ask each other. Who needs to experience kindness in your life? Who needs to hear a warm word of encouragement? Who has a need that needs to be met? 
What needs do you see in your church or your neighborhood or your family that are going unmet? Now notice the next question. What can you do to fill that need? Not who can you go and tell about that need. What can you do to meet it? Friend, where is God calling you to put his tenderness on display? It's not nowhere. Where is it? Now, as I've asked all these questions, here's the why. Why would you not follow the Lord's prompting? What are the reasons you would disobey him today? If God has shown you these areas that need kindness, these areas that need service, these people that need mercy and forgiveness and compassion, what would keep you from giving that kindness? How would your life look different if you did follow him? How would your life and your relationships change if you did demonstrate that mercy? How would your holidays look different if you did extend that forgiveness? How would your church look different if you did step up and fill that need? Friend, the most important question. How can you give God the most glory today? By the Holy Spirit who dwells within you, I believe you know the answer. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you are sealed for the day of redemption. Keep in step with the Spirit and let him put on display the kindness of God. At the end of the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus asked the man, Who proved to be the neighbor? And the man said, well, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus looked at him and said, brother, sister, you go and do likewise. Let us pray.